0: broadcast tonight we're gonna to do a uh, examination and analysis of white black relationships in the USA and it's very important uh obviously uh, this is a worsening situation and it doesn't have to be but there's very little common sense a lot of exploitation and a lot of lying to try to get African Americans and white Americans divided, and it's working. The progressives are are making it happen. So I want to uh, give you this stark truth tonight. But first, did you see the uh, Biden Stephanopoulos interview uh, this morning on ABC? So uh, as I told you, uh, George Stephanopoulos is not a journalist, and he he's not even close to being a journalist. But he is. ABC's, I guess, senior correspondent. Is that what they call him? I I mean, you know. Um, And it's not that uh, he's—is there anything wrong with stopping lawfuls? I don't really like him personally, but he shouldn't be there. And now he's Biden's go-to guy. So you remember uh, Barack Obama's go-to guy was Steve Croft of 60 Minutes. Remember that? When Donald Trump was running for president, his go-to guy was me. And those are some of the best interviews I think you'll ever see that Donald Trump gave. Um, We're going to try to replicate those uh, in the history tour. And now uh, Biden's go-to guy is George Stephanopoulos, because he knows that Stephanopoulos will ask him, he has to ask him certain questions, but he never, he'll never follow up. And if Biden falters, Stephanopoulos isn't going to nail him. So today, what struck me about this interview was that Biden is absolutely telling the world he didn't do anything wrong. His administration didn't do anything wrong. Everything worked out pretty much the way they planned it. And you look at it and you go, are you blanking kidding me? This is one of the biggest debacles in U.S. foreign policy history. And people will never forget this. This is going to have unintended consequences for years. And not to even mention uh, the American service people who killed and maimed and uh, sacrificed unbelievable things to fight in Afghanistan and a trillion dollars plus it was spent. But to Biden, no, 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 this was a plan all the way. And yeah, if you had not do anything, no, no, don't worry about it. And I told you yesterday that if Biden lied, if that's a provable lie, it's going to be hard because it's classified information. But if he was told by the CIA or any of the other intel agencies that this is going to happen, if you pull out all uh, all U.S. personnel, you're going to have a collapse on your hand and you're going to have people, you know, falling off planes or anything. If he were told that and then went on in July and said, ah, it's not going to happen, that's impeachable. Very hard to prove it. Certainly the Democratic Congress never going to investigate it. Uh, the Justice Department under the control of Biden never going to do it. But if the Republicans win next year, um, they can do it. So uh, keep that in mind. But for Biden to sit there and go, nah, I didn't do anything wrong. Tells you really all you need to know about Joe Biden. Okay, so let's, uh, let's get into this race business. And I'm going to start with the facts of the matter, because facts matter here. Don't matter to much of the, most of the other news organizations, but here they really matter. Because my analysis is based on this. Um, there are 46,800,000 African-Americans in the USA right now, 14% of the population. The median household income, which is very important, for blacks is $46,000. For whites, it's 76000 So there is a big income gap, all right? There's no doubt about that. There it is in stone. Um, But black income is rising faster than white income from 215 to 219. Okay, So blacks' income increased 15%, whites 12%, which shows that our society is not becoming more racist. It is becoming more, and I hate to use this word, inclusive. Okay? Again, these are facts. The next fact is education, and this is everything. So college kids got to take a test, the SATs, most of us took it. And in math, the national score on the SAT was 523 out of 800. Black scored 454. White scored 547. If you go into reading and writing, which is vital in this society, okay? Blacks are at 44% of college readiness, whites 79%. And finally, math, blacks are only 21% ready for college math, whites 59%. Now, all of these stats are according to the Brookings Institute. This is the key to everything. Okay, Now, when you see that the teachers unions, the progressive left liberal teachers unions, absolutely sold out African-Americans in high school, you should get mad. But no one will report it. The unions will never, ever stop their horrible teaching methods. Because if you're that far behind, you need remedial work. You just don't throw them into the class when they can't compete. Well, it doesn't matter what color you are. As a high school teacher, I know what I'm talking about. Now, why are the kids in school not performing as well? Well, here's the big reason right here. 70% of African Americans are born out of wedlock. You see a 69% stat there, but that's up to 70% plus in the last three years, Okay. of whites are born out of wedlock. A 40% gap. That's why the kids in the African-American precincts aren't learning. Because there isn't a father there. Drives me crazy. Okay. Now, 20 years ago, 2001, Gallup asked Americans, are black-white relations good or bad? Net good, 63% in 2001, net bad, 35%. That's the same question, the same question in 2021. Net good, 42 net bad, 57 Look how it has changed in 20 years. Now, why has it changed? That's what we're going to hone in on. Why has it changed? Well, it's changed because of the Internet. Because George Floyd and and these terrible things that have happened between police and African-Americans are now worldwide. People see them, all right? And they get emotional. And, you know, I don't want to hide anything. So I'm not going to say that that is a bad thing, but it's certainly a contributor to the angst between blacks and whites. And then you have the racial provocateurs on TV all day long. Roll it.
1: It is obvious that we have a long way to go in this country if we have lawmakers um, who are refusing to acknowledge the fact that there is, um, you know, institutionalized uh, racism that is embedded um, within our, our systems that we need to actively work uh, in rooting out.
2: It is very clear that this country is, is, is uh, still struggling with racism. We still have racism showing up in almost every
0: institution. Okay, so this, the blacks hear this every single day, and they process. Now, Mark Lamont Hill, you may remember him. Uh, he was on The Factor a bunch of times, a very fiery left-wing progressive African-American. Uh, he's got a PhD from the University of Pennsylvania, so Hill's a smart guy. He knows uh, the world and he is taking a very uh, devoted left-wing position. I like debating with Hill because it's a good back and forth. And I talked to him yesterday. So I just set you up with a poll, Gallup poll, that shows a tremendous deterioration in black, white, American race relations in 20 years. Why do you think that's happened?
2: there are a lot of reasons why people over the last 20 years have lost faith in American racial possibilities and racial progress. One is they've seen through the use of cell phones, through the use of social media, they've seen so many black people killed. They've seen so many people killed by law enforcement. They've seen so many protests and so many marches without any real sense that things have gotten better. They have they lived in the Obama era, which for many people was the promise of a post-racial America, the promise that the world would get better. And from 2008 until 2016, there was some progress on some fronts, but on the racial front, we would say no. Um, There's a lot more honest and raw conversation about race taking place, and I think it's created a sense of possibility on the one hand, but in many ways it's made people say, hey, this isn't going well for us. I, I don't believe that race is a is a solvable problem in America.
0: All right. Um, I, I think your point about seeing on video police brutality against African-Americans does exacerbate race relations. I don't think Obama had anything to do with it. Um, he did the best he could, I thought, to try to improve race relations. He wasn't a bomb thrower, uh, provocateur. But You have in the African-American community made tremendous economic strides in 20 years, much better off in 2021 than uh, the African-American crew was in 2001. And if you look at the police brutality stats, and I'm sure you have, they're not saying that there's a tremendous amount of police brutality directed at African-Americans, but the hype of it all when a George Floyd goes down. That, I think, is the driver of the division. Am I wrong? Uh,
2: well, first, let me say, it's always a good day for me when I'm criticizing Obama and you're defending him. That's just, it it, it does my heart well. You're really growing over the years. You're getting warmer mm-hmm. and fuzzier here for me. So. I
0: know, yeah.
2: <laughs> but 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 I think that there is, uh, I, I do think there's something to be said about the, the police brutality stats. You know, all the data shows that while black and white people, according to a lot of the studies, are equally likely to be killed by the police or really equally unlikely to be killed by the police. Uh, when we look at the level of physicality, the level of brutality uh, in interactions, black people are on the high end of it. Now, you could go your whole life without being roughed up by a cop. Most black people will. But most black people will also tell you that they've had a bad experience, that, they've had a, uh, that they have a fear. And that fear gets amplified by social media, no doubt but I don't want to frame it as like much ado about nothing or that this is some creation no, of new But media. here
0: but here's much, a much more intense fear on the part of African-Americans, and that's getting murdered by another African-American. Um, the stats are unbelievable. So according to the FBI, uh, 89% of black murder victims were killed by other blacks. And African-Americans account for 44% of all murder victims in the USA, okay? And they're only 14% of the population. So I would put forth that yes, many blacks have a fear of the police and maybe most of them have had a bad experience with the police. I'll absolutely admit that. But the big fear is getting murdered by another African-American, is it not? It is not. I can tell you
2: as I've been black a really long time, that is not my my biggest fear. Now, you're no, I, I, mean I, fear. maybe
0: not you, but somebody living in a poor neighborhood that's rife with crime, drug gangs running wild. You don't think they're afraid of getting hurt by those people?
2: Of course, people are. And I, and I, I, I still live in a poor neighborhood. You know, I, 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 I stay with the community. But I, I think that there's a a very real stat that you're pointing out. There's a gap between, maybe what you should say is that maybe black people should be more afraid of the kind of internecine crime you're talking about. But when you ask black people what they're afraid of, they're not afraid of other black people. Now, are black people cautious and smart and wise navigating the streets? Of course, we all should be. But but I think that the fear of police is a different one and I'll tell you why. Oh, actually, let let me back up and tell you one other thing. You're right, 89% of black people are killed by other black people, but that's a proximity crime. Most white people are killed by other white people. Um now you're sad about the proportion 40% to the 13 I think is a different thing but but I don't want to frame black people being killed by black people as some unique pathology of black people but rather asian asian groups white groups they all kill each other
0: at about But not at rate that intensity. rate. The the proportion no, of murders committed by African Americans is far beyond any other group in America far beyond.
2: That's a different issue. Again, I conceded the point that black people are overrepresented in terms of being murder victims. I conceded that, that point. What I'm saying is the fact that most black people are killed by other black people, I'm saying, is in line with white people. Most uh, a, a a person, the, the person most likely to kill me is a black person, the person most likely to kill you, other than maybe somebody at MSNBC, is another white person.
0: Which okay. is but the, they, the fact they, remains that 14 percent of the population is responsible for 44 percent of the homicides. That's way out of whack.
2: The reason why black, why race rela- relations are fraying and the reason why black people are losing faith in the possibility of racial justice in America is not because of, quote-unquote, black-on-black crime. It's because of the type of injustices that we see from white people and from white law enforcement in particular, among other issues. And, and this is a very important point, Bill. When a, when a gang shoots me, if a gang member shoots me, I had no good faith belief that the Crips or the Bloods or the Gangster Disciples were supposed to protect me. But also when a black person shoots me, I have every reason to believe they're going to be arrested. They're going to be charged. They're going to be convicted and they're going to get a long sentence. Not in Chicago.
0: not no? n- n- Those stats are, no. are now crumbling. All right. No, look, you're, let, you're, let's get you're, on you're, to.
2: I need you to hear this point. Out. Hear this point out, Bill. Just be right. fast. My, my point is is that when the police shoot me, it frays the social con- contract. When I don't get justice from a police officer, it makes me lose this, lose trust in the system. My, my faith in the system doesn't hinge on gang members treating me good. It hinges on the people paid to protect and serve the people me. People in
0: power to give you a fair shot is a yes. fair point. Okay, it's a fair point. But I'm trying to get the root of the division that is widening between whites and blacks. And and part of the reason is the horrific level of violence in the African-American community, which I believe, this is our last topic for you, stems from the dissolution of the family. So again, the stats are horrific, with more than 70% of babies, African-American babies born out of wedlock. And for the whites, it's half that. Um, And so you have almost chaos in the social fabric in many African American neighborhoods, because there's no dad. And you're a dad, you know how important being a dad is. There's no dad. And that isn't being addressed in any high-profile way by whites or blacks in America, as far as I can see.
2: <laughs> I I would say the exact opposite. I I I can't uh I, I can't look at a conservative conversation and not hear about absentee fathers and the broken black family because and that's it's, it's, the it's genesis
0: of the problem the genesis of the I, I, problem is that that's where it begins the
2: education so there's two things here the first thing for me is that i'm always fascinated at how the right loves colorblind policy they love to not talk about race unless they're talking about dysfunctional black neighborhoods then they then race becomes the most important thing to name uh we, so so it's an interesting conversation to have that said
0: But that's not me. Um, You've been talking to me for uh, more than a decade. That's not me. Yeah, but I'm willing to talk about any aspect of the race situation. I wanted to get better.
2: Right, and in the same way that when we're talking about black people's fear, we're not talking about me. We're talking about the broader world who aren't as wise as you or I, Bill. You. So, but 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 the idea here is one: the source of black fatherlessness, as we talk about it, is not. Again, we have to talk about those sources. It's easy to say black fathers aren't in the house. But many Black fathers who aren't in the house or near the house um, aren't there because of joblessness. They're not there because of mass incarceration over the last 50 years. There are reasons structurally that pull people away that aren't about individual choice. But the other thing we have to think about is just because people aren't married doesn't mean that they're not active and involved. Black non-custodial fathers are actually the most involved. So even when Black people aren't married, they're still They might not live in the house, but they still come to the house. They still parent their children. But again, if we're gonna look at the genesis of the problem, I wanna look at those neighborhoods where black men got 40 years for drug penalties, where other people got five or six. And then we say, look, there are no, as we call them, OGs in the neighborhood to to help people resolve disputes. So when you see young people killing each other, part of it is because the men in the neighborhood have been taken away. When people say they're fatherless, Part of it is, is irresponsibility. I wouldn't doubt that. But a lot of it is structural. So we have to, if we're going to fix this, we got to go to the source of the problem. Some of it is at-
0: structural. But when you have a 70% out of wedlock birth rate, and I'll make one last point and give you the last word. In the 1960s, there was a low uh, fatherless rate in the United States. And, and the criminal justice system was worse then toward African Americans than it is now. But, the family unit in African-American areas was more intact. The tradition was, we stay together. And the crime rate for African-Americans in the 60s was much, much lower. than it exploded in the 80s and 90s with crack. And a lot of the people you don't want send away for a long time destroyed thousands of lives, thousands of lives. Um, and you know that. Because some of your friends, just like some of my friends, succumbed to the narcotics. But anyway, when the family unit was intact for African Americans, all right, their crime rate was much, much lower. Last word.
2: First, let's not romanticize the past. Part of the reason Black people hung together and stuck together and stayed in the same neighborhoods and stayed in the same houses was because we couldn't live anywhere else. We weren't allowed to do anything else. Jim Crow was a big factor in that. And then you raise an interesting point from the crime rise in the 1960s until now. Bill, the, the rising crime is 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 because of the rising criminalization. When you look at from Nixon forward, the war on drugs begins when in the 1960s. So of course, crime goes up. More things became a crime. If I if I if I take the law book and I thicken it and say you can get in trouble for more stuff. And we and drugs, as you pointed out, infiltrate the neighborhoods, then yes, people more people will get caught for stuff. Yes, more people will go to prison. But it's not because we lost lost our moral compass. It's because there was a, a very concerted effort and focus on taking black people and criminalizing them and taking poor white people and criminalizing well, them.
0: There were an awful lot of
2: the, the uh, difference is my friends that got locked up are still away, and your friends who got locked up were able to come home.
0: I don't have any friends who got locked up. I mean we had I gotta tell you we'll we'll talk about this some other time but in my neighborhood, Levittown, if you were a dope dealer, you were the lowest scum of the earth everybody just it was disgusting now it's different so the peer pressure in my neighborhood was send those guys away Mark Lamont Hill, very smart honest guy, I've known him forever and if Hill and O'Reilly can have a civil conversation about race. Anybody can. Is that true? (laughs) That is 100% true. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA with more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers? I have their trees and plants at my home, and they're fantastic. And here's the best part, this spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get a extra 15% off by using promo code Bill at checkout. So please go to fastgrowingtrees.com, use promo code Bill at checkout. All right, so Hill firmly believes that, uh, you know, Police go out and look for black people to arrest and put them in jail and all that. There's some of that. There are racist cops, all right? It's, there are. But they're a very small percentage of the 88,000 law enforcement. Look, when you have a murder rate, 44% of all the murders in USA are committed by African Americans. They're 14% of the population. They commit 44% of the murders. And 89% of the people killed are African-Americans. They're killing their own. Now, when you have that, you're going to have more people arrested for violent crimes, narcotics, sold on the streets. And I'm not going to say primarily because there are a lot of people involved in the narcotics business. But in certain neighborhoods, all black, and it's all Hispanic. And there are a few neighborhoods, not many, where it's white. Now, if you're going to sell narcotics on the street, you're going to get popped. Okay, you're going to get popped. And with the crack stuff that destroyed millions of lives, yeah, they put him in jail for a long time, selling his poison. But was it aimed at trying to destroy the fabric of African American society? No, it was not. It was actually aimed at protecting African Americans from crack dealers and heroin dealers. But Mark Lamont Hill will never, ever in a million years see that and that's a obvious source of disagreement. Okay, so the second guest tonight is a woman named Crystal Knight. the former political director for Priorities USA, the largest democratic presidential super PAC. She uh, has a master's degree from the University College of London, very, very fine school, and a degree in journalism from Howard University. I also talked to her, to her yesterday. So Ms. Knight, I'm gonna start with you the way I started with Mark Lamont Hill, Uh, citing a Gallup poll of 20 years ago in 2001 that showed the majority of Americans felt that race relations between blacks and whites were good. But 20 years later, the majority feel they're bad. Why the shift? What happened?
1: Well, I think there are a number of things that have happened over the last 20 years. One, um, there was the first African American president who took, you know, that was elected in this country, Barack Obama. And what we saw, particularly with his election, race relations really took a turn for the worse. Um, There was a lot of, you know, undergirded, you know, um, microaggressions in the Senate. There were a lot of microaggressions in Congress and we saw a lot of people reacting negatively to having the first African-American president in this country. Then why was he reelected the, though? Why
0: why was he reelected by more of a plurality the second mm-hmm. time than the first time? If if what you're saying is that all right, Barack Obama got to be president and then some people didn't like mm-hmm. that, but when he ran again, he was reelected.
1: Well, the good thing about, you know, elections in this country is that the majority wins, right? And so There was an overwhelming majority of Americans who still thought and believed in his presidency, based upon some of the policies that he was able to accomplish, um, particularly ACA in his first term. And so, it's not surprising that he got reelected because he was a good president. Um, But what is surprising is how race relations took a turn and how the the relationship between African Americans, specifically, and police um, they began to deteriorate under his presidency, and even in the years, you know, the future the, the future years that preceded his his term and so we have to look at all of those things i think even most recent with the george floyd um incident that happened last summer um, and all of the protests that have been happening um those things have not helped race relations in this country by any stretch of the imagination
0: but i think at this point um that because of george floyd in particular and others that have been captured on video and and then sent out over the internet that's the big component that's different now than 2001 is that a lot of the police brutality has been captured and sent out and people react emotionally to that. African-Americans react emotionally to it. And I think that has caused race relations to deteriorate in some degree.
1: Right. But even though police are being caught on camera, the, the bad actors are still you know taking place. And so on one hand, you're saying, yes, body cameras have helped improve you know, um, reprimanding police officers. But at the same time, you still have police officers who are literally out here punching citizens. Right here in the District of Columbia, last week, a man was arrested and he was literally punched in the face by a police officer while two other police officers held him. And so, again, if you know that you're being filmed, if you know that you're wearing a body camera, and you know that citizens now have smartphones. Why do you continue to? Well, they're going to lose their jobs. You know,
0: you know they'll pay a price. For maybe. That. No, that's not a maybe. They will. Um, but the point is, there are 88,000 law enforcement officers in the United States of America. Among those 88,000 are a substantial minority of black officers and Hispanic officers. I don't believe there's a mass mindset to abuse African-Americans. I don't believe that. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I think the data backs me up. However, everyone knows there are bad police officers. There are brutal police officers. There are bigots who don't like blacks. Everybody knows that. But now in our society, if they are uncovered, they're gone. They're not protected any longer. Would you cede that point?
1: I would not see that point. Really? Because when I think about, well, when I think about Eric Gardner in New York and how he was choked to death, um, that police officer did not lose his job. Um, when I think about Tamir Rice, um, in Ohio who was shot because he had a toy gun. That police officer was removed from the force, but he was able to move to another state and get another job on a police force. And so, you know, there are instances after instances just like those two where police act imp- improperly, they act incorrect, and they're either um, temporarily reprimanded, um, they're, they're able to retire um, and, you know, and still have their pension, they're able to go on and live another life Whereas a person of color, a black person, they're not afforded that same opportunity and that ability. And do you think this is
0: endemic in our society? I mean, you think this is everywhere?
1: I think that there is a problem with policing in this country. I believe that there needs to be a federal overhaul of the way that police conduct themselves um, with people of color in this country. And there needs to be a national registry that would, you know, let other district other police districts know when a police officer has had a, a major or a serious incident so that he or she is not able to simply retire okay. or leave or resign Look, I'm not to gonna,
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna get into that, but I am gonna get into if you are attacking the police, not you yourself, but any, any group right. or or person, then the likelihood of African Americans being harmed rises. And I know you know the stat. I mean, it's an incredible stat that 89% of all African-American homicide victims, people murdered, are murdered by other African-Americans. And if you don't have a strong police force, that number is going to rise. So I I talked to Hill about this. I said, okay, you don't like the police, you fear the police, but shouldn't you fear the African-American killers more You see what's happening in Chicago and D.C. and Philly and New York, where black drug gangs are running wild. They're murdering people all over the place. And the the police themselves are receding from it. They're not reacting as strongly as they once did. So by demonizing the police, aren't you putting African-Americans in more danger?
1: Well, listen, Bill. I think that you make a a great point. Black on black crime is a problem in this country. It's a problem in a lot of the urban centers of this of this of this country in major cities. What I'm saying, I'm not, you know, demonizing police. I believe that police are needed in our society. What I'm saying is that. We have to also fund other programs. We have to fund community violence intervention programs. We have to fund mental health issue um, programs. We have to fund job training programs. We have to fund things that are deterrents to crime. What What we're seeing in a lot of the... Okay.
0: Would you be willing to go out and in addition to that, and I don't object to any of that, fund Mm -hmm. a massive family values campaign? So that the 70% of African-American babies born out of wedlock might drop down to 50%. Because as you know, young boys without a father, they are the first recruits of gang members. Would you be willing to do that?
1: I would be willing to fund anything that would be supportive of communities of color and would allow communities of color to have the same access to equity that suburban communities have across this country. And so I reject the statistic that, you know, because a child is born out of wedlock, that he or she does not have the same opportunity of success in this country. That just shouldn't be. And so that's a systemic problem that our country needs to work on and fix through legislation. But it's much higher
0: in the African-American precincts. And I think that if family were emphasized there, you would see more benefits go to younger African-Americans. Last question, you're a very successful woman, very articulate woman. Um, Do you think that America is noble? Has America been fair to you?
1: I think that America is always striving to be a better country than the way that it was founded. I have to always go back to 1776 when this country was founded. It was founded with white, wealthy men in mind. So it was not founded with people of color in mind, and it certainly wasn't founded with women in mind. Have I enjoyed some of the success and the pearls of being an American citizen? Absolutely. But do I know that my country, I can push my country and advocate for my country to be a better America? absolutely no, true. we all want to so i think
0: but you know um yes. and i i'm going to send you my book killing england there's a reason why it was all white rich guys making the constitution and it, why it, is it,
1: that
0: well it's a long story but it's basically they were the only ones that had the resources to go to Philadelphia.
1: But they literally pillaged other countries for resources. I, I mean, how well, can you at, at
0: do that at that way? time they were just hanging on and hoping they weren't going to be hung by the king. Well,
1: you know, we're going to we're going to agree to disagree on that point, Well,
0: read my I, I book first because it's a fact-based book and I'm sure you'll enjoy it because it's not a political book, it's just a history book. But there is a reason why that happened. But as you say, and I agree with you 100%, we're trying here To bring everybody together and everybody gets an equal shot at the pursuit of happiness. That's what it's all about. So I really appreciate it, Ms. Knight. Thank you for coming on. And if we can ever do you a favor of any kind, let us know, okay?
1: Thank you for having me. Enjoyed the conversation.
0: Sorting through your expenses, estimated payments, and all those tax deductions can be overwhelming. Might even lead to a failure to file and failure to pay penalties that pile up on your tax debt. The attorneys at Tax Network USA have been lifesavers for many Americans. Their team has successfully saved clients more than $1 billion in tax debt, a billion. Whether you're in the hole for 10,000 or 10 million, they are ready to help. The expert attorneys and tax professionals at Tax Network USA are equipped to secure the best settlement for you and help you resolve all tax cases. So please go to taxnetworkusa.com slash bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. These debt relief programs are expected to change, so get started now. Please go to taxnetworkusa.com slash bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you.
3: Donate eleven dollars a month to Tunnel to Towers at t2t.org. That's T the number two t.org.
0: Okay, so let me set the record straight on this because this is important. Miss Knight and all of the critical race theory zealots believe that America was founded on racism, that we're a horrible country, that we need reparations, and this divides blacks and whites. Here is the truth, okay? I wrote a book, Killing England, like I mentioned. Please read the book. Please give it to any African American that you're friendly with. When the American Revolution began, the founding fathers knew they could never defeat the king of England and his huge army and navy without all of the colonies coming together. They couldn't just do it with New England or New York or Philadelphia. They needed everybody from Georgia way on up to the Massachusetts Bay Colony, which extended into Maine. They had to get everybody involved in order to win the Revolutionary War. The South economy was 100% agrarian. Okay? Tobacco, cotton, crops and there wasn't enough labor in the south not they wouldn't have the people there so they imported slaves not justifying it it was horrible it was horrible and any decent person would have recoiled from it but the slave owners and the slave sellers and everybody else didn't that's their sin and if you're a believer they were judged there is no excuse But the economy would not have existed if not for slavery, because there were not enough people and not enough money to pay them. So the South would never have signed on to the Revolutionary War without a continuation of slavery. Ever. All right? Everybody knew that. Now, the Adams boys, John Adams, John Quincy Adams' son— John Hancock, Samuel Adams up in Boston, they hated slavery. They hated it, and most of the Founding Fathers did. But Jim Franklin didn't like slavery. The Southern guys, Madison, Jefferson, Washington, they had slaves. So that's, again, their sin. But they all came together in Philadelphia, and they forged a pact to fight the king knowing that if they lost, they were all going to get hung. But they didn't deal with the slavery issue then, in order to unite all 13 colonies against the king. But they did build into the Declaration of Independence the words, all men are created equal, not all white men. And that set a foundation to repudiate slavery in the years to come, which is exactly what happened. And most of the people that forced the slavery out of the United States were white men who fought on the side of the North in the Civil War. That's the truth. That's it. I'm not justifying anything. I'm telling you the truth and why it happened. It wasn't a bunch of guys in Philadelphia getting together going, ah, we gotta have slavery. That's not what it was. They were bitterly divided. And there were more people opposed to slavery among the Founding Fathers than supported. But, you know, I mean, I can give this lecture all day long to Crystal Knight, and Crystal Knight's not going to believe it. She doesn't want to believe it. Not just to make her a bad person. She doesn't want to believe it, just like Hill doesn't want to believe the truth about criminality. Okay, so I'm going to take a break now, um, and I got a final thought on what we can do. What what has to happen to bring whites and blacks together in America? Right back. All right, we continue now. I'm going to do some few touts, take another quick break, and then I'll give you the final thought on what has to happen in America for us to come together, which is vitally important. It really is. We are a much stronger nation when we don't have racial strife. Um. We want you to read all the Killing books, but Killing the Mob is still number eight on the bestseller list, if you can believe it, after 15 weeks. I mean, it's incredible. An incredible success. You buy that and Killing Crazy Horse together, 40% off. And if you're a premium or concierge member, you get more than that. We're giving you the books. Um, I want you to check out the history tour with Donald Trump. Now with the Afghan thing, this becomes an even more important program in December. We have... We'll switch you right to the box office. You got Lauderdale, you got Orlando, Florida, you got Dallas and Houston. All right, check it out. It's going to really be history. I, I named it the History Tour. It's going to be history. Word of the day, do not be ostentatious when writing to me at bill at com. Bill at billoreilly.com. Right back with the final thought. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. 877 444 gold or tax gold to 65532. Lucky
3: Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually.
3: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: I never win and tell.
3: Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All
0: right. Race relations in the United States is all about one thing and one thing only an equal opportunity to pursue happiness. That's it. There's nothing more to it than that. Every American citizen, every one of us, should have an equal chance to pursue happiness as we see it. That means we choose our career, we choose our lifestyle, we choose how to conduct ourselves lawfully, lawfully, But this is our choice in our pursuit of happiness. And that's why those words are in the Declaration of Independence. We don't want the king telling us how to pursue happiness. Now, we all have to work together. There are bigots, and I ignore the bigots, unless they're in a a position of influence. Then I go after them. And you know it. You watch me for 20, what, 25 years now? I I don't abide bigots. And there's bigotry in African-American precincts as well. You're a bigot. I'm coming for you. But if you're a low-level creep bigot, I'm ignoring you. Okay. I believe most Americans are not bigots. My parents were. We lived in a segregated place, Levittown. It, It was terrible. Shouldn't have been segregated, but it was in the 1950s. Okay. My parents never said anything disparaging against blacks. My idol was Willie Mays growing up, and they encouraged that. My parents, so I I don't know any bigots. Maybe you do. I I don't because they won't hang with me. But we have to set up a system, and it starts with education, and it starts with African Americans themselves demanding that their neighborhoods be cleaned up, demanding it, demanding that the drug gangs get out, cooperating with the police. I know it's hard, but you can do it anonymously, merging with the churches you got to demand. You guys got to do it. I walked the streets of a Baltimore ghetto about a year ago. I was shocked at how disheveled the whole place was. Clean up the yard. And you white people who, who don't think you have an obligation to help African Americans, you do. Because they've had it tougher than us. There's no doubt they have. Their ancestors, many of them were enslaved. I know mine were in Ireland. I know how it is. If I can help anybody, any American, I will. And I have African American friends and I've helped them because I understand the experience. I don't know their day to day experience. I can't walk in their shoes because I'm white. And I believe them when they say that some people look down upon them and some people are, you know, bigoted against them. I know it happens. But if all of us would help each other and stop with the victimization, doesn't do you any good. You don't need a government handout. You need to get educated and work hard and obey the law. That's everybody, every skin color. That's what you need to do, not ask Biden for another check. That weakens the nation. It weakens you. So that's why I did this program tonight. I want to hear from you. Bill at BillOReilly.com again. If you think I'm being uh, unfair in any way, let me know.